Welcome back, Hemming Face Heads, to the Hemming Face Head podcast of excellence to talk about War and Peace, book one, chapter 22. We met Andre's sister and father, Maya and uh, old Bolkonski. I can't remember his name right now. What do you think of the Bolkonski family? What does the tone of each of the letters tell us about each writer? Ripster66 said this. This felt like an exceptionally long chapter to me with not a lot going on. Yeah, that's fair. It did go for freaking ages with all those letters. Um, yeah, but it was kind of cool. The letters were fun. Seems fitting for the setting, though, says Ripster66. Yeah, they're all alone out in the countryside. And this, by the way, in case you've forgotten, is where Prince Andre is dumping his pregnant wife while he goes away to war with his... Um, well, with her father-in-law and sister-in-law out in the countryside. Oh, I feel for that poor girl struggling to learn geometry, but distracted by her father's presence and her fear of him. He wants to teach her math so she'll be smarter than other ladies of her rank, but he's inadvertently creating a timid girl, fearful of him, and even more unprepared for the realities of life. Ikar 100 said, The tone of the letters was really interesting. The one... Of, to the Bolkonski girl really... Wait, what? The one to the Bolkonski girl started so warmly, I had to remind myself this probably isn't homoerotic subtext there and I'm just inferring it wrong. <laughs> really, it seems Karagina seems to be a lot better at expressing her affection to the Countess than the other way around, even though I believe they like each other quite the same amount. And it broke my heart when she couldn't look at herself in the mirror properly and how she feels thinking about herself. Poor girl. You can tell she doesn't deserve to feel about herself that way. Um, Andre Bolkonski said I'm not sure which character you mean Um, Julia yeah Julia it was uh, it was interesting that it does seem like a very gay exchange of letters they really are um, being way overly affectionate but I think it's just the way they spoke. And also, they're letter writing, so people get all sentimental and syrupy in their letter writing. Grumpy Shakespearean said, I found this chapter incredibly fascinating, even if not a lot happened. Um, cool. Good to know. Moving along. Uh, the father somehow doesn't seem as mean as his actions would imply, like his need for control. Oh, this is Ryan Dundev saying this. His need for control comes from some deep inner insecurity and by controlling his actions and environment he can feel something like safety. That's obviously smothering to the girl who longs to get out and has no idea the sharks that are in the ocean of the world and not in her little pool. Even though it's hurting her, he does seem to mean well. The theme of faith in providence is here again with Maya's acceptance of God will provide for her no matter what it is. Beard and Glasses 1994 said, I'm not a huge fan of these characters upon introduction. Maya seems a little too preachy for my taste, and her father seems like he will continue to get worse tempered throughout. This chapter definitely made me miss Pierre and Anna. The tone of each letter was very much contrasting. It seems as though Julia has had more world experiences than Maya, who has been cooped up on the estate and only thinks of religion and her father. Hopefully these characters grow on me like Pierre has. Um, Maya being a little too preachy. She is preachy, and, you know, I don't think it's too spoilery to say that she does sort of remain preachy for a lot of the book. Well, not even preachy, but just religious. That's kind of her thing. She's religious. Um, but I think as an introduction to her, meeting her 
via a letter that she's writing to her friend with that weird syrupy tone and sort of being overly sentimental. The the preachiness, her talking about religion and stuff, is kind of hammed up a bit for that purpose. She's not like that for the rest of the book. It's just kind of in the letter she's like that. But she is still religious for the rest of the book, I'll tell you that much. Um, is that a spoiler? Nah, that's, I hope not. Well, maybe she loses her faith. She genuinely might, I can't remember. All right. Um, Acoustic Eels, haven't seen that name for a little while, says, yes, looking forward to a change of scene. I think old Prince Bolkonski does love his daughter. He's just terrible at showing it. Um, Yeah. I realized on this read-through that I mixed my Annas up. Yeah, Anna Pavlovna, the lady who threw the soiree, um, and Anna Mikhailovna, who's that, um, what do they call her, the eternal auntie of everyone? The meddlesome one who got involved with all the inheritance and was trying to um, trying to swindle herself some money. Yeah, that's Anna Mikhailovna. Do not get them confused. All right, let's read the next chapter, 23, also known as 26, if you're reading Maud. goes like this. <coughs> Old grey-head Tikon was half asleep. He was listening to two things, the snoring of his master, Prince Nikolai Bolkonsky, and echoing from the far end of the place, Prince Maya, on the clavichord, repeatedly trying to play a really tricky bit of a dusk sonata. Just then two carriages arrived, driving up to the front porch. One had a closed roof, the other had a hood. Prince Andre got out of the closed carriage and helped his missus, Lisa, get out too. He let her pass and she rushed to the front door. Old Tikon had shoved a wig over his grey hair and presently he stuck his head out from the antechamber, whispering, whispered to them that his master was still asleep and then stepped out and shut the door behind him. Tikon was thinking, nope, not waking him, even if it is his own son. I don't care if it's the bloody king of Russia, my master's schedule is never to be disturbed. Prince Andre expected this, he knew how his dad was, and confirmed that his father's schedule was still the same as ever with a glance at his watch. He looked at his missus. He'll sleep for another 20 minutes on the dot, you watch. Let's go see Maya, what do you reckon? The little princess was getting pretty pregnant, starting to fill out, but she was. But when she spoke, her eyes lit up, her downy lip lifted into a smile, and she actually looked pretty hot. Shit a brick, this place is a bit swish, she said looking around the room with the expression one adopts when they're complimenting someone. Yeah, let's go, quick. And with another quick glance, she smiled at old Tikon, then at her husband, then at the random footman who was just standing there. Is that her practicing on the clav? Oi, let's sneak up on her and surprise her. Prince Andre agreed, then followed her, trying to be polite, but also feeling a bit out of sorts. You're looking old, old Tikon, he said, in passing to the old man who responded by kissing his hand oldly. Before he reached the clav room, Mademoiselle Boreen rushed out to greet them, looking also pretty hot and very excited. Hey, you're here. Princess Maya will be wrapped. I'll let her know you're here. Now wait, don't. You're Mademoiselle Boreen, aren't you? said the little princess, kissing her. I know you. You're my sister-in-law's mate. She's not expecting us, is she? They went up to the door of the sitting room, from which the difficult line of the sonata was still repeating, Prince Andre was bracing himself for it. Little Princess Lisa went in and the passage broke off in the middle. There was shrieking, the sounds of Princess Mary's heavy movement, 
Then the sounds of kissing. Prince Andre went in. His sister and wife had only ever met each other once at their wedding, but the two of them were going berserk over each other, hugging, kissing like mad, making such a fuss. Mademoiselle Boreen had her hand on her heart, a big goofy grin on her face, looking like she was ready to laugh or cry. Prince Andre grimaced, the grimace of a music lover who's just heard a bung note. The two women stopped hugging. Then, as if afraid they'd hadn't kissed enough, they started kissing each other's hands, then started kissing each other on the face, and then, to Prince Andre's surprise, they both started crying. Mademoiselle Boreen started crying too. Prince Andre felt awkward as, but the girls were perfectly comfortable to be acting like this crazy, as if it were obvious that the appropriate behaviour for their reunion should be a fit of hysterics. Babe, oh mate, they suddenly exclaimed, and then they laughed. I dreamt about, did you know we were coming? Oh, how are you so skinny? Because I'm not pregnant, duh. I knew the princess at once, put in Mademoiselle Boreen. I had no idea, exclaimed Princess Maya. Andre, I didn't even see you there. Prince Andre and his sister held hands and gave each other a kiss, and he gave her shit about being a crybaby. Mary had turned to her brother and was looking at him with her big shiny eyes. She looked all loving, warm and gentle. The mustachioed princess talked heaps, her lips doing lip things such as moving up and down, opening and closing and becoming smile-shaped when she smiled. She told them about an accident they had on Spasky Hill, which could have been legit bad, what with her being preggers and all, and then she announced that she'd left her clothes in Petersburg and didn't know what she'd wear here, and then that Andre had changed heaps, and that Kitty Onditstova was gold-digging some old bloke, and that she'd found a fella for Mary, a real one, but that they'd have to talk about it later. Princess Mary was still looking her brother in the face as Lisa spoke, her beautiful eyes full of love and sadness. It was obvious that she wasn't listening to Lisa, but was thinking about something else. As Lisa began to describe the latest Petersburg fate, Maya addressed her brother. But seriously, Andre, are you really going to war? She said, sighing. Lisa sighed too at this. Yeah, tomorrow, he replied. Yeah, he's ditching me and nicking off to war. God knows why. He's looking at getting a promotion here too. Maya turned Lisa out, preferring her own thoughts. Tuned Lisa out, preferring her own thoughts. Then turned to her with a tender expression and cut her off, asking, For real? Lisa's face changed. She sighed and said, Yeah, for real, it sucks. She moved closer to Maya, then suddenly started crying again. She's just tired, said Prince Andre, aren't you, sweetie? Take her to your room, will you? And I'll go see Dad. How is he, anyway? Still the same? Yeah, still the same, though. Hey, maybe you'll have a little different opinion, said she happily. And his schedule, still the same? And the walks in the avenues and the lathe, asked Prince Andre, with a sly grin that suggested that despite his love for his dad, he still found him a bit kooky. Yep, still all the same, the hours, walks, lathe use, and even his mathematics and geometry lessons, said Maya gleefully, as if her geometry lessons were fun. Once the twenty minutes had passed and the old prince was awake, Tikon came and grabbed Prince Andre. The old prince decided to make an exception, altering his daily routine slightly in honour of his son being home. He told Tikon to permit his son to enter his apartment while he was dressed for dinner. Old Prince Bolkonsky always dressed in old-fashioned stuff, wearing an antique coat and powdered hair, and when Prince Andre entered his father's dressing room, he found him sitting on a large leather chair, wrapped in a powdering mantle, entrusting the job of powdering his hair to Tikon. 
Usually, whenever Andre was in a dressing room, his face held a look of disgust, but not today. Here, he was all smiles, much the same as when he spoke to Pierre. Ah, here's the warrior, ready to give Bonaparte a belting, said the old man, shaking his powdered head as much as possible, with Ticon holding it by its half-plaited tail. You've got to sort that bastard out, otherwise if he goes on this way, soon he'll take us over too. How the hell are you, son? he said, and he held out his cheek for a kiss. He seemed to be in a decent mood after his pre-dinner nap. He'd always said that a nap after dinner was silver, but before dinner, fucking gold, mate. He flashed happy sidelong glances at his son from under his bushy eyebrows. Prince Andre approached and kissed him on his thrust-forward cheek. He didn't respond to his dad's comments, knowing that this was just what he did, made fun of the current military and of Bonaparte. It was something of a hobby for him. Yeah, how good's this? I've brought the missus too because she's pregnant, Prince Andre said, carefully watching his father's face with eagerness and respect. How's your health? My health? Only dickheads and wankers get sick, mate. I'm bloody laughing. You know me. I have discipline, so I'm busy, of course, day and night. That keeps me well. Thank God, said Andre with a smile. God's got nothing to do with it. Well, anyway, tell me, he said, returning to his favourite hobby. Tell me, have the Germans been teaching you all about this new science of theirs called strategy? Prince Andre smiled. All right, all right, give us a minute to settle in before we go into all that, said he, with a gentle look that indicated that, despite not wanting to engage in this talk, he still loved and honoured him. Bullshit. That is bullshit, son, cried the old man, shaking his pigtail to see whether the plat was sufficiently firm and grabbing Andre's hand. Everyone is set up for your wife. Everything is set up for your wife, Prince Princess Mary. Oh, sorry. Everything is set up for your wife. Princess Mary is going to take her there now, and no doubt they'll talk each other's ears off, bloody women. I am so glad she's here. Anyway, sit down and talk, will you? About Mickelson's army, is that right? Tolstoy's too, both going in together. But what does that leave the southern army to do? Prussia is bloody useless, I know that much. What about Austria? said he, rising from his chair and pacing around the room. Tikon followed him back and forth, handing different articles of clothing to him. And Sweden, are they crossing Pomerania? Prince Andre, seeing that his dad wasn't going to let up, decided, fuck it, I'll explain the whole bloody campaign plan to him. He started at first reluctantly, but got more and more into it as he went, sometimes switching between Russian and French as he spoke. He explained how an army of 90,000 were going to threaten Prussia, hopefully forcing her to stop being so useless, make her join the war, and how some of that army were going to join some Swedish forces at Strelsland, Strelsund, how 220,000 Austrians with 100,000 Russians were going to operate out of Italy and on the Rhine, how 50,000 Russians and 50,000 English were to land in Naples, and how, essentially, 500,000 men were going to attack France from all angles. The old prince barely seemed to be listening. While Andre explained all this, he seemed utterly disinterested, wandering around the room, continuing to get dressed, and three times interrupting his son. Once he, buttoned, once he butted in by shouting, The white one, you dickhead, the white one, to Tikon, because Tikon was trying to hand him the wrong waistcoat. Another time, he interrupted, saying, And will she soon be confined? Bugger me, that's no good. Go on, continue. The third interruption came when Prince Andre finished his explanations. The old man began singing a popular French song in his dodgy old man voice. Marlborough is going to the wars. God knows when he'll return. Prince Andre just smiled politely. I never said I agree with the plan, he said. I'm just telling you what it is. 
Napoleon, no doubt, has a plan too, but probably a better one. I never said I agree with... Oh, wait, I read that bit. Yeah, well, you've just said a bunch of old nonsense. Tell me something I don't already know. Then he went right back to singing the popular French song. Jules saint Quan Rivirunda, pausing, but before pausing and saying, go to the dining room, will you? All right, there we go. Andre gets an audience with his old man, old man Bolkonski. And, uh, of course, Tikon, the, uh, the head servant, whatever he's called. All right, very cool. Thanks for listening, guys. Have your say over at the subreddit, and I'll see you tomorrow.